The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, welcome back, everybody, to It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Matt Bovey, Sal Capaccio, and we are joined by Ben Arthur. He covers the Titans for the Tennessean. This is his second season covering them. Thanks for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. So as we're getting ready for this game, what's the vibe down in Nashville right now? Because I'm probably, I'm assuming most Titans fans probably didn't think week one was going to play out the way it did. Yeah, I, I think the, the the vibe is definitely kind of confusion, kind of anxious, anxiousness for this game, frustration over just kind of a disaster that that took place in in week one, particularly in that second half, just kind of collapsing at the hands of what's clearly an inferior team. Uh, the Titans actually haven't had practice this week, and we haven't been in the locker room yet, so it's kind of hard to say what they're feeling internally, but, but I know of course that they're motivated and this is a team. And as you guys know that these two teams have pretty much a budding rivalry at this point, yeah. even though they're not in, in the same division, it seems like these games are always intense. We know what happened uh, last year 
with that um, goal line stand uh, by, by the Titans. So um, I'm sure the Titans are just as anxious to, to get out there as, as the fans are to see kind of what the team looks like. This is a team that kind of had issues all over the place uh, when, when you look at offense, defense, and special teams. And so um, this is going to be a really big challenge. You guys know better than me. This Bills team is very formidable. I, I don't see very many flaws um, on this team. And, and so um, kind of all those things that went wrong against the Giants, I mean, they're going to have to be even more on their P's and Q's against uh, this uh, Bills team on Monday. The Titans obviously rely on Derrick Henry a lot. The Bills have had trouble stopping him in the past. He ran for 143 last year, over seven yards of carry. But he didn't have a great game last week. It was an okay game, right? I mean, how do you assess the run game and where that is, especially with the changes up front on the offensive line? Yeah, I, I, Derek didn't have, yeah, as you said, he didn't have a great game. He was, he was fine. Um, I, I think a lot of fans here would have liked to have, have seen him touch the ball more, but also you, you kind of look at, um, as the game wore on, he actually played worse, which is usually, it's usually the reverse with Derek. He, he kind of starts off slow. Then in the second half, he'll get 10, 12, 13, 14 carries and kind of take over a game, but kind of the yards per carry went down in the second half. Um, it just wasn't super effective. Um, and so I, I'm not sure if that was maybe kind of Derek getting his feet under him or, or the offensive line, but I will say the offensive line for as many concerns as people here in Nashville had about that group heading into the season, it, the, the group did look really well in terms of, especially in terms of pass protection. I think that was the the biggest issue having to replace, you know, two guys who are now with, with the bills and, right. and David Kessenberry yeah. and Roger Saffold, like how would they be able to fill those holes at left guard and right tackle? And the, the old line didn't give up a sack um, in, in the giants game for as many issues as they had offensively. The only sack came on like a boot action from Ryan Tannehill. So, um, I think the old line did fine. I, I think obviously you want to see stronger run blocking a guy in Derrick Henry, who's looking to kind of get his footing back. Want to see maybe more creases created for him. Um, but, uh, but Derek also kind of just needs to play better too. I mean, he, he, there was a, a direct snap. He took on a third and one, like a wildcat situation yeah. and he fumbled the ball would have been an easy first down. He's really good typically in those wildcat situations. And so, um, yeah, the, the old line probably needs to block better, but I also think Derek knows he, he he's got to play better as well. Ben, in the second half of that game last year against the Titans and the Bills, every, everybody remembers what happened at the end of the game with the goal line stand and Josh slipping and all of that stuff. But I think to get to that point, the Titans were really in the game because of Derrick Henry and because A.J. Brown took over in the second half. He was an absolute monster. And I know that obviously he's been traded now. He's with Philly. A lot of people were really kind of shocked, at least on the outside. Like here in Buffalo, people were like, why did they trade A.J. Brown? But kind of turning the page on that saga, like who are the weapons in the passing game that Bills fans should be concerned about? Because I know, obviously, they used a first-round pick on a wide receiver, but there's some new faces that I think might throw some people off who haven't been watching the Titans as closely, obviously, as you have. Yeah, right now, the, the Titans are definitely a, a receiver by a committee team. AJ was very clearly the number one guy, and, and I think right now it's kind of, to be determined, still kind of under development that they, they traded for 
Robert Woods. Um, they brought him in expecting him to be the number two guy, but then AJ Brown gets traded. All of a sudden mm-hmm. he's the number one guy, but he's also coming off a torn ACL last season, had a really good off season OTAs, mandatory minicamp training camp, all that. Um, and he's come along nicely, but um, he, he's barely involved um, in, in the passing game in that first game. And, and so I, I'm sure the Titans are going to make a concerted effort to get him the ball more. He's in terms of being an established guy, he's probably the closest thing the Titans have um, to that. Um, I, I will say beyond. So, so there's Traylon Burks, obviously yeah. their, their first round receiver, the 18th pick in the draft. Um, and, and he, he, he's a big play threat. He, he kind of has a similar profile as AJ in terms of being a physical guy, um, he won't necessarily blow you away with all the jukes, but he loves contact. He's a big yak guy. Um, but, but he's not, he's not quite what AJ is of, of course. And, and I think he, he's still kind of developing. Um, but, but I think the the top guy for the Titans right now seems to be, um, a fifth round rookie, um, named Kyle Phillips. He's a slot receiver from UCLA, really shifty, um, he he was virtually unguardable um, all training camp, like all summer. The Titans had two sets of joint practices. No one seemed to be able to to guard him, and um, he had nine targets in the the week one um, game against the Giants. Who's the Titans' leading receiver on that on their last possession when they were trying to when they were getting into field goal range? He had. Um, I want to say four or five targets on that drive alone. Um, so right now, it, it, very, it, it's very clear that T- Ryan Tannehill maybe trusts him the most. He made the most plays uh, for the offense in the summer with Robert Woods kind of being limited, Traylon Burks kind of having some ups and downs, and really there being really no other consistent names in that room. Um, Kyle Phillips is probably the top guy in, in my eyes. Um, but, um, but like I said, to start, I, I think this is very much receiver by committee room right now. I like Traylon Burks a lot coming out of college. I actually thought the bills might be interested in drafting him as we know they wanted to get a little bit more yards after catching. Like you said, that's a big guy for that. Kyle Phillips against Taron Johnson should be a really good matchup to watch in this game. Taron Johnson, one of the best nickel corners in the league and what Kyle Phillips did last week. And like you said, what he did throughout the preseason in camp, I think that's going to be one of the matchups to watch. Let me ask you about the other side of the ball, Ben, Ben Arthur joining us from the Tennessee and here on it's always game day in Buffalo. Um, Saquon Barkley, a buck 22 in the second half alone. Um, he wound up with a, a huge game, a huge day. Is it something with the Titans run defense or, Hey, those things happen when you're playing against Saquon Barkley once in a while. Yeah, it's, it's so I've kind of been thinking about this and, and watching the film over it's It's so tough to, to kind of assess because the, the Titans, I mean, last year, they were like second in the league in, in run defense. This is a team that prides itself in run defense. They've been very good at it. They have probably the second best defensive tackle in the NFL and Jeffrey Simmons. And so that's been a strong suit for them. I mean, obviously, I, I think Saquon Barkley is kind of back to being Saquon Barkley. And, mm-hmm. and the Titans definitely had issues with that. I, I think from a fundamental standpoint, I, I think there were a, a lot of issues, but but I'm not sure if from one game we can say if it's going to be a trend or if it was just a bad game against a, a star running back who looks like himself. So um, 
that that's kind of how I would um, answer that. I, I do think, though, that losing Harold Landry, uh, the mm. Titans' top pass rusher, um, may have kind of played a role. Um, he, as I mean, he yeah. was a double-digit sack guy, a, um, a pro bowler last season, but he's also really been really disruptive um, in, in the backfield, uh, big tackles for loss guy. And so you you, you kind of think maybe that kind of played a role, but overall um, I, I don't think I'm really sounding the alarms after one game, even without Harold Landry, this is a very strong uh, defensive front. And so um, it, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that group, up front unfolds, but I don't think um, from one game based on the history of, of this Titans front and, and kind of the personnel they still have there. I'm not sure that we can um, really say that it's maybe a, a red flag. Maybe it was just kind of a bad game. And then Ben, this is the last one for me, but like these teams have now played, this will be the fifth straight season that they have played games. The bills won in 18 and 19, the Titans won in 20 and 21 last year's game was unbelievable. I think bills fans going into this game though, have a little bit of confidence. They're like, okay, we're going to finally beat these guys. If the Titans are going to win, what do they have to do to knock off the bills? Well, I think Derrick Henry has to get going. I think the Titans need to control the clock. I think as much as they can make sure that Josh Allen and that Bills offense doesn't hit the field, I think it's in the betterment of of the Titans. Um, And I think we all know how explosive that Bills passing attack can be. And the Titans have some vulnerabilities at corner. so that the, one of their starters is a rookie. Um, the other one, Christian Fulton, their top guy, gave up a 65-yard touchdown to the Giants last week. And so I, I think the more that the offense can really sustain drives, um, kind of wind down the clock, let Derrick Henry kind of do his thing. And Derrick Henry obviously needs to play well, too. But I, but I think that's going to be the key. Um, for in, in this one for the Titans, making sure the Bills can't, the offense can't really get on the field. Ben Arthur of the Tennessee. And before we let you go, big picture question about the Titans, Malik Willis, when does he actually take over as starting quarterback? And are the fans more impatient about this than the organization? Um, Yeah, I, I'd probably say the fans are more impatient than the organization. Um it's going to be a fascinating off season for the Titans, just because with Ryan Tannehill's contract, you can kind of get out of it, save more than 17 million against the cap. You can use that to build around Malik, but also Malik. I don't think he's ready. I mean, as much as promise and potential, and he, he kind of has those dazzling qualities we see in the top quarterbacks in the game today. Um, there's a lot in terms of decision-making and accuracy um, that he still needs to work on. And so um, I I think a lot of it kind of depends on how Ryan Tannehill uh, looks this season. I I know he's come into this year really motivated. He actually had a a pretty good game um, against the Giants. It was just kind of around him. It it didn't look so good, but I I I think next year Malik can compete for the starting job. Coming into this season, he didn't have a chance. Everyone knew that. Um, but I think depending on how Ryan's season goes, 
Um, Malik will definitely be in the conversation to potentially start. And, and then I, I think by 2024, um, if he kind of continues the, the positive strides, he, 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 he should be your guy if, but, but then also again, the, the reasons why he fell into the third round and, and things like that, it all kind of depends on his progression and also how Ryan Tannehill responds to this season. All right. Thank you very much, man. We really appreciate yeah. it. That was Thank awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, we are going to look more forward to your work as the week goes on. If anybody wants to follow along and know what's up with the Titans, you can follow Ben at Ben Y. Arthur, and uh, he is a Titans reporter for the Tennessee. And Ben, we're going to let you go so we can kind of wrap things up on our end, but we really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Appreciate you guys for having me. All right. That has been Arthur of the Tennessean. Uh, Matt, let's get to a couple questions that the listeners have asked us and tweeted into us as we uh, get on out of here. But first and foremost, before we um, kind of get to any of these questions, the most important question has been asked a few times. How is your dad doing? Oh, he's doing much, much better. Thank you, everybody. I really appreciate it. You know, people have been sending me messages and DMs and everything. Actually, before we taped this podcast, I went over to my parents' house just to kind of check in on them. He's doing better. He's already talking about the Titans game. So the fact that he's thinking about the Bills is probably a good sign. We still got we still got a ways to go, but um, you know, shout out to all of the hospital workers who helped him. They were fantastic and uh we're just so so fortunate. That's awesome to hear, man. That's awesome. All right. I got one here. You could pick one if you want, but uh, not a lot of time to answer a lot of these, but Scott tweets in benching of players due to one fumble seems like a harsh overreaction that potentially hurts the team by removing talented players from the field. Fumbles happen odd shaped ball. And there are talented players on the roster uh, on the other side. Is this a fault of McDermott that needs correcting? So first of all, I will say to Scott as a person who's been around football my whole life and played and coached, I will tell you, I love the way you said odd shaped football and things happen (laughs) because it is true. Um, Uh There's, there's an old saying in, you know, as coaches always say, the ball is not round. You don't know where it's going when it hits the ground. So you better jump on it. However, I think this is comes down to one word, Scott and Matt it's trust. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you can't trust James cook to hold on to the football, you can't give him the football. I don't care if he's a rookie or he was, or he's a 10 year veteran, especially if you're a rookie though, I should say when you fumble on your first carry, Sean McDermott's trying to win the game. So I don't think it's an overreaction. Sean McDermott has a very talented roster. Yes. The other side is talented, but they're deep. He doesn't have to give James cook the football. He's got to be able to trust him to hold on to the football. And to me, it is not an overreaction to say, look, if I can, if I give you the ball one time and you fumble, I can't trust you to hold on to it. I got to have you hold on to it. So I don't think it's an overreaction. No, I don't think so either. And I think it's almost a similar situation to what happened last year with Isaiah McKenzie, when he basically got sat down for a couple games on the special team side. And then when they needed to call him back into action on an offensive role against the Patriots, he absolutely lit it up. So I don't think it's going to hurt his confidence. I think it's like a, well, Welcome to the NFL. We know you're going to be better at this. We just need to make sure we can trust you. I'm going to do a little bit of rapid fire because we do have so many questions. Okay. Uh, Krieg asked, do you think Boogie or Epinesa may be inactive in favor of Shaq? I don't. Boogie had a sack and an interception and AJ Epinesa had a sack and a half. I don't think that you're sitting either of those guys. Do you agree? Yeah, but I'm going to go a step further. I think they're all active. I think the bills go nine defensive linemen this week. I think Shaq is active. Well, I think it also depends on what happens with that Oliver and Tim settle. That's correct. Um, but I think I do think they'll have nine defensive linemen active because of who they're playing. Another question is from Sean. If something happens to Reed, meaning Ferguson during a game, who's the backup <laughs> long snapper and why is it Micah Hyde? 
it's actually, he's joking that the second part of the question, it's actually AJ Epinesa, the guy we were just right. talking about. So he's going to be active, but if that did happen, then he would be the person who would step in. AJ Epinesa. Um, usually it's a tight end defensive end type of guy. Um, I don't know. Would, would Reed Ferguson be a tight end if he wasn't a long snapper? He's that's been a long he snapper his whole life. That's what he is in Madden. I believe. I think that's oh, really? his, I think his official designation in okay. Madden is long snapper go. slash tight end. <laughs> there you I go. Could be, so. I could be wrong on that. Good um, nugget. By the way, uh, people have asked who would love backup long snapper is. You just heard it right there from Matt Bove. It's AJ Epinesa. It's AJ Epinesa, Jeff Rusak, former colleague at channel seven. When is it socially acceptable for an adult to drink a glass of milk? Well, why wouldn't it be? Well, first of all, I don't drink milk because I I'm, I'm lactose intolerant. So I don't, uh-huh. I don't do a lot of dairy just to let you know, but why would an adult not be able to drink milk? I don't get it. <laughs> I drink. I, our buddy Joe Biscalia thinks it's crazy. I every once in a while will have a glass of milk, and he's like, "I can't believe what I used to do to really." You're fine, have, man. Yeah, that's right. What I used to really do to kind of fire him up is I would take a carton of milk in the press box and I would drink it every single you know morning of a game. And so I, I think when is it socially acceptable? I think in the comfort of your own home, you can drink milk whenever you want. <laughs> if you're going to do it out in public, maybe you got to be a little bit more cautious. Uh, this one is from Dave Demizio. I don't know. Okay. So I know Dave very, very well. I don't know what you call them sale, but this is one of those people who we refer to as a cousin in my family, but okay. isn't actually a cousin. Totally get it. Yep. You know what I mean? So yep. everybody's got a different term for those. Mm-hmm. His question is how nervous are the bills to play the dolphins? Because he is a big time dolphins. I'm fan. like only a dolphins fan would ask <laughs> that. He is a big time dolphins fan. We golf together very frequently. He's always talking about the dolphins and I always tell them they're not nervous about the dolphins until the dolphins prove that they can beat them. And that's kind of the answer that I have for all of eternity until the dolphins win a game against the bills. I don't think they're really that nervous about the, the bills. Dolphins. Aren't nervous about playing anybody. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, they'll play anybody that I think they know that they have the best team in the league, or at least, you know, they believe they do and they might very well have the best team in the league. But I do like the question because I think that dolphins fans are starting to get a little bit of beer muscles lately. I'll say that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, any other ones you want to answer? Or you want to wrap it up? Um, how about what are your predictions on Khalil Shakir being active on Monday? This comes from uh key blast. I, I don't think he is active. I think Jamison Crowder played solid enough that the bills can look at it and go, yeah, we don't really need to do that yet. We're fine with what we did on offense as far as who we had active or inactive. And I agree. I think it's going to be the same, at least offensively. Sal, let's finish it off with predictions as we get ready for this Titans game here. Well, look, I, the, the line is nine and a half. I think that's a pretty big line. That's tough to win. But I mean, I think that's might be about what it is, man. I'm looking at like a, maybe a, maybe a 10 point game. So last week I said, I do not see the Rams getting over 20 points. Some people going, Ooh, really? Mm-hmm. They can get over 20 points. They only got 10. Well, I don't see the Titans getting over 20 points. So I'll give them 20. I'll say bills 30 to 20, maybe 31, 20, somewhere in that area. I was going to go with bills, 31 Titans. 21. So, so 10 points. We are right at the same spot then. Right at the same spot. Yep. I think the Bills win. I think that the Titans hang around a little bit longer than maybe Bills fans expect them to, but I think that they're able to kind of pull away a little bit. I, I think the Bills, I think the Bills defense is phenomenal. Obviously, I don't think they're going to get seven sacks in this game like no. they did against the Rams because Tannehill is a bit more mobile. Like he can kind of get out of trouble, but I just think that their offense can put up points against anybody. 
We will have another It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast for you after the Bills take on the Titans Monday Night Football. It comes to Buffalo. It's going to be an amazing electric atmosphere. Cannot wait for it. Can't wait to talk to Matt about it again. Can't wait to get you another podcast. And thank you so much once again, everybody, for downloading. And please subscribe to It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Matt, let's enjoy this one, man. It should be really, really fun. What a great night it's going to be in the stadium. It's going to be unbelievable. Dun, 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 dun.